minus 10 seconds. Get ready. Ready. For the hottest new podcast in the world. From WWE to TNA Impact. By way of the NWA. It's time for Reffing It Up. With legendary referee Brian Hepner. An all new episode starts in... This, this is Reffing It Up. Welcome back to another episode of Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner. I am the man with a magical voice, RJ. He is the man in the stripes, Mr. Brian Hebner. Brian, what's up, man? Brr. It is cold. It is cold. Uh, it's setting in down here in the south, uh, here in Virginia. Um, I am on my porch where I always tape, and I am in. I am. I'm, I've got lots of clothes on, and I'm. 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 I'm, I'm cold. Damn it! I'm cold. Well, it could be even colder up here. We're supposed to get at least a mixture of snow and rain overnight tonight. So it's like, uh, well, it's coming. But just wait till wait till about Friday or Saturday. It's supposed to be sunny and seventy again. So. Yeah, we just have to get through these days. I got a big pot of chili on. I'm I'm, I'm ready for my feel good food and uh, yeah. And uh, also wanted to uh, apologize to the uh, listeners for this week that were maybe expecting Deanna Perazzo, but uh, logistics sometimes get in the way and uh, things like that. Things happen, and you know, hey, we have replaced her for this week with Penzer, and who, by the way, uh, Dave Penzer who, by the way, was not just a, a, a throw in here to do. We were, we had him scheduled for several weeks out, uh, but we wanted to head move him forward to adjust to Deanna's and um, uh, um, um, her, I guess her schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so I wanted to apologize, but we will have her on. Um, we're going to do this week with Dave Penzer, which I'm actually really excited about. Uh, mm-hmm. So I can't wait to do that. But I just wanted to apologize and has nothing to do with anything but the logistics. We're ready. We were ready to go. Um here at Reffin It Up and just, you know, some things came up with her uh, through the office or whatever. Anyway, it is what it is. And so we're moving on. Exactly. Yeah, definitely looking forward to this week, too. Penzer was definitely one of those um, one of those guys that I listened to and watched a lot on uh, WCW Nitro, Thunder, what have you, on pay-per-views, too. And now he's obviously being as part of uh, part of Impact. Uh, and, you know, a little bit there in TNA when it was TNA instead of Impact. But, um but let's go up to the first count. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your first count. We've seen a lot of good things coming out of WWE recently, Brian. And uh, you know, we touched on it briefly last week, but I think the product is it's getting a lot better each and every week as of the last like number of weeks. Uh, you seeing the same stuff I'm seeing? No, I'm 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 totally in agreement with you, man. I'm 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 really, you know, hats off to uh, Triple H and crew, man, that are doing what they're doing up there. The uh, product seems to be, to me, uh, has a more of a storyline derived where things make sense, which is what I absolutely love as a viewer, and I'm sure people do elsewise because you know ratings are, you know, reflecting that as well. Um, I think that they also are intriguing stories with intriguing people building characters is what they weren't doing before. I mean, there were so many people for a while where I would watch WWE and would not even know who people were. And it was because of horrible character development. 
So I just think that, you know, they're doing a wonderful job. I don't know if people noticed that uh, JBL came back last night and mm -hmm. had some role with Corbin, which I thought was really neat and cool. The Bobby Lashley, um, Brock Lesnar thing. You got, of course, the Bray Wyatt. Um, I love the way they're stretching that out. Please take your time. Please take your time. This can be so very cool. Um, and I'm just, I just think that it's that they're, doing better character development. And I think that they're doing a better job of telling stories week in and week out and continuing them from week to week, which is what they just were simply not doing at some point. Yeah. It, it's something that even like you said, once triple H took on what came on board, a lot of stuff is changing and it's changing for the better. And they get, as we're talking now, there is uh, NXT tonight on Tuesday. And apparently there's an AEW Dynamite on Tuesday now, for whatever reason. It might be like hockey or baseball or something being on Turner uh, tomorrow night. So it, it's definitely interesting to see where they're even doing a lot more with, with NXT. There's, if, you, if you consider it setting talent down, we're seeing a lot. We've seen the Good Brothers down in NXT since their debut last week. We're going to touch on that briefly in a moment. Um, just found out you got Kevin Owens is going to NXT tonight. You got Rhea Ripley's going to NXT tonight. Uh, so it, it's where I think Raquel Gonzalez is going down. So you're seeing a lot of these cross branding, which I'm, I, I see that as more of, they're really starting to plant the seeds, I think for survivor series next month. Because... Yeah, they, they be, well, they have to be doing that, too. And not only that, man, but NXT has struggled, man, as a as a brand, as a separate brand. It's, I mean, simply, let's just put it that way. It's, it's just the truth. It has struggled. Uh, it lost its juice that it had many years ago. And they're using this cross talent just to help get the show some some eyes and viewers. And uh, that's what that's all about. I mean, it really is. And, you know, I've just never been able to get into NXT. Um, mm -hmm. I appreciate the talent, the way they do it and get them groomed. Um, I've just never been able to get into it. That's not something I'm going to watch tonight. I'm being honest with you. It's definitely not. Um, what was the thing you touched on about uh, AEW? What are they doing tonight? I, I I guess they're doing a dynamite tonight. I totally forgot about it until I went online and saw it. I know they mentioned it all online for the last number of days, but I don't know if it's a matter of um... – you know, whether it be hockey tomorrow night on TNT, TBS, or uh, basketball, or baseball, or something, kicking it out basically of Wednesday night uh, dynamite, and it's going head to head pretty much with uh, with NXT. Oh, so so actually, this week's AEW Dynamite is tonight. Yeah, I did not know that. Uh, and, and so, as we all know, and I, I know you touched on, we are taping on Tuesday the eighteenth. Yeah. Uh, so this is Tuesday the 18th. They're going to have dynamite. I did not know that. I did not know that. And it's it's coming from Cincinnati. They're having, I believe, uh, it is uh, got a bunch of title matches too. I'd forget. I don't follow NXT or excuse me AEW as much as before. Well, my, some of my own doing, but. Uh, I think yeah, they're yeah. gonna. I think they're gonna take a ratings tumble this week. Well, they're really putting, you know, they're putting their, you know, mouth or money where their mouth is. You got Jericho facing Dalton Castle for the Ring of Honor title. 
You got Moxley taking on Hangman for the um, the heavy AEW heavyweight. So you got a lot. You got Tony Storm and Kara Rashida for the uh, uh, the women's title. So there's a lot happening, but at the same time, I'm like, honestly, it's come down to, hey, if I have to choose, I'm choosing WWE. Be honest with you, even NXT. I, I, I like what the stuff they're doing with NXT. I think they're really starting to turn the corner. But as you said, it it was really the, I, I think it was, it was down because, yeah. you know, when they went to NXT 2.0, I think that was their downfall. If they stayed with the black and gold brand, I get it. It was Vince's idea, but now they're back to it. So it's like now everybody's starting to see Triple H's hand on everything. I, I know Road Dog's back there. Shun's running NXT pretty much. You got, uh, you got Albert down there too. Uh, his the name escapes me. Oh, Matt Bloom, excuse me. So you know, you know, really, they're really starting to turn the corner. Uh, but you know, even on the main roster, we saw the Good Brothers return last week. Somebody that you've worked with, uh, two guys you worked worked with, I should say. Um, so they're really being thrusted into this, being aligned again with AJ, which I think is brilliant. Uh, they're um. Coming back, going over to Riyadh, the Saudi show, the Crown Jewel show, which I find interesting too. Where it's it, Aaron Anderson's also defending his uh, never open weight have, title from New Japan the same day or the day before. So it's like you're gonna go from Japan to Saudi in a matter of day, a matter of hours, probably. Yeah, but, it's crazy. It's crazy. That's a, that's really nuts. But do you think – I don't think they're really surprised anybody by showing up back up in WWE. Well, I brothers really, that is. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope uh, Cornette was watching and listening and reading um, <laughs> because, yeah, so he, he had said and bashed the, uh, the good brothers in every way I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, I read that that was one of the biggest, highest rating increases in WWE – and quite a while as far as uh, going from a, a normal number and peaking for the show. Um, I don't know that percentage. I should have jotted that down, but it was the biggest set I think that they've seen in two years uh, when the good brothers came back. So um, Mr. Cornette, I think you might be wrong there, brother. Uh, I don't know what, what he has against them, but he uh, was, was wrong about that because people obviously do care about the good brothers. Just like I do. I like the good brothers. Uh, they are good brothers. Um, so yeah, that's awesome for them. I'm very, very happy for them. And then, and, and, and like I saw the pop they got last night, it was amazing. I mean, you know, just that backstage thing. I mean, the, the whole place went nuts. Yeah. And the thing is though, I would think Cornette would be into the, into them because they're you know, old school wrestling, like territory guys that I see anyways. And, you know, I and think, well, I think that he hated on them the way he did because, when they did their appearances with AEW, they were with the guys that he cannot absolutely fucking stand. Oh, yeah, with Omega and the Bucks and stuff. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's the reason I think that came about. Otherwise, you're right. I, I see no reason why Cornette should hate on the Good Brothers. I mean, really, I think they've done remarkable work everywhere they went. So, and that, and it in the titles and all that stuff mean everything that I'm saying. So, you know, I I think it has to do because he's hating on tippy toes and. uh uh, the 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 Hardy 
fucks or whatever he calls them. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't even know at this point. I can't remember the name. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's got different names for him every every week, but... Twinkle no, Toes. Twinkle Toes and... Um, oh, what the heck? Uh, no, Twinkle Toes is Omega. I haven't yes. listened to that. I, I can't. Very rarely can I listen. I told you this before. I Very rarely can I listen to a show for three hours. That's why it's like... That's why I like doing ours. It's like you get an hour and a half tops. It's like Jim... Jim uh, Gym, gym audio or you know i gotta mow my lawn stuff kind of thing but uh little tip for you podcasters out there if you're thinking about certain shows hour and a half max because people don't want to listen unless unless there's a lot of good stuff in there though you know what i mean brian because it's like you got stories like you hear from you know whether it be bischoff or jared or or, or angle or whomever it's you get those stories there it's it, it, it it's they can last oh absolutely i mean i think that uh you know, people are busy. Mm-hmm. People have things to do. Well, the ones that work, the other ones that are sitting at home. Anyway, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> um, but anyway, people are busy. And, you know, three hours is a lot to ask for someone to take out of their time and just listen to one guy rant and rave about politics and his points of view. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. I like Jim Cornette and I, and I agree with a lot of stuff he says, but there's a lot of stuff I don't agree with, but, that's what makes it fun for me to listen to. But like you said, just three hours, man, is just too much. And I've just noticed some of my favorite shows have started to grow uh, content or not content, but um, I guess time, just starting to gain time. Um, and, and it's okay because some of them, like you said, tell really good stories that are interesting and you don't really realize where the time went by the time you get through it. I just feel like, you know, Cornets is just too long. That's it. Just too long. You know, that's it. Well, you know, I, I tend to watch because I subscribe to his YouTube channel, too. So I find it a little bit easier to watch his uh, or listen to. We have you. His little snippets he has on his YouTube channel from his two shows that he has. Uh, it's Those are kind of like bite sized kind of things. They're probably about 10, 15 minutes long. and They're not too bad, but. Uh, we saw another, actually, one thing I wanted to say before we get to the next topic here in the first count is the good brothers have wrestled in WWE, AEW, impact. And I believe new Japan in a matter of a year, there's four brands right there or four companies. Not too many people can say they've done that in a year's time. Exactly. Eat that cornet. But, 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 but it goes to show you they're, they're not, they're not essential, but they're they're popular enough that people are going to want them in their promotions because they they're over. Yeah, I mean, hey, let's face it. That's a, whether you want to say it or not. That's a, that's a huge loss for Impact. I mean, it is. Yeah. Um, that gave them some some more eyes, man, because people invested and knew who these guys were. Top guys, you know what I mean? They're top guys, and uh, they're showing that. I mean, mm-hmm. they're doing it up there in eight. I mean, in, I'm sorry, in WWE and. I think there's a lot more left in the gas tank there. Uh, so we'll see how that goes and where they're going with it. Yeah, they go with it. slowing down. Oh, yeah. The OC. The OC. Yeah, so they, yeah now they're going by the OC again. So it, it works. Uh, you, know, you know, another f- team that debuted in another promotion this week was the Kingdom. You got Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and Maria Canellis Bennett, uh, formerly of uh, Honor No More. I guess the cat's out of the bag at this point. Uh but uh, they debuted on AEW. They're doing a little dark, a couple dark shows. Uh, and then they basically, their reasoning behind it is to go after the Ring of Honor 
tag team championships that they never lost, uh, which are currently held by FTR. Uh, you know, always been a fan of the kingdom. Uh, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, very uh, talented uh, guys in and out of the ring. Um, when you saw it, were you surprised that they made their debut with AEW last week? No, I was not. And I am so, so very happy for, for them. I really am. Um, I became very, very close in the short time that I was able to work with uh, Maria and uh, Mike. And they are just wonderful people, wonderful people. And I'm not talking about this last stint with, with Impact. I'm talking about the time before. And I, I'm not with sure. TNA. Was, with TNA, right? Was it TNA? I wasn't sure. I'm not sure then. I, I, I I'm pretty no sure it was more towards their end of that when they uh, left TNA and they did went over to Japan, I believe. Well, I'm just, I, I know it was when they left Ring of Honor and they came to us. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it probably T, TNA then. When, when he was the miracle. Right, uh, right. Yeah, so uh, I became very close with them. I really did. And I love them. And I think they're the sweetest people in the world. They have beautiful kids. They're just wonderful people. Um, and I, I'm i not as close with Taven, but, boy, we, we became really good friends, too, in a short period of time. What a great dude he is, too, man. And just, a, just, this, just I'm just so happy for them. Now, the only thing that pisses me off, and it's not about them, it's about how it always just seems that Impact bends over backwards and does every fucking thing they can with AEW, you know, to, 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 you know, do the forbidden door gimmick or whatever the fuck it is now. Um, and then they, they had the audacity to put them on their TV show before it's even on impacts that they're not there anymore. You know, like you can't just wait, you know I mean? Or, or talk about it, but you just have to introduce them before the storyline comes out on impact. So it just kind of just, it's all about them all the time. And it just kind of sucks. You know, mm-hmm. if I was, Scott Demore, which I'm not, thank God, because I couldn't be as patient and, and as gentle and nice as Scott. Mm-hmm. I, I would just be pissed and blown to mind away. I just really would. But I don't know. It just it, it just infuriates me because I just know when I was there, we we did things for them as much as we could and did it right. And it just seemed like they just wanted to turn around and do what they wanted to do, how they wanted to do it. And they didn't give a shit. You know what I mean? So. It is what it is. They think they're the bigger company, which I guess they are. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you just can do whatever the fuck you want. But I guess they can. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that's been taken uh, taken off pretty pretty well the last few weeks is the um, new series on Vice, Tales from the Territories. Uh, it is from Seven Bucks Production, uh, with, which is The Rock and his ex-wife, Danny Garcia as well as the uh, Dark Side of the Ring guys as well. Uh, I saw the first episode that they did the roundtable there uh, with for on Memphis with uh, Jeff Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett, uh, Jerry Lawler, uh, and Dutch Mantel, as well as Jimmy Hart. Dude, that was my favorite one. I haven't had a chance to watch the Andy Kaufman one. And then they're actually debuting another one tonight, I believe, uh, about AEW body slams in the heartland. Um, so what did you think? Have you had a chance to at least catch one of the, the episodes that have been out? I watched them all and I'm waiting mm-hmm. for tonight and I will watch tonight. Um, it's awesome. It is mm-hmm. awesome. If you have not seen it, you have got to see it, man. People were crazy back then. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I don't um, well, you didn't say you said you didn't watch the Andy Kaufman, so it had to be on that one. Oh, yeah. There yeah. was there was one there was this uh, and I can't remember his name and I apologize. 
there was a guy that went and literally went to a arena, went through the crowd, jumped the rail to go stab Jerry the King Lawler. Oh, yeah. I think he might have told that story on the first one. Is that what it was? Okay, I'm sorry. He might have told that story. I'm sure it's a story that he's told multiple times, too. I might just be taking it back from there, too. Holy bejesus. These guys were just nuts, man. Um, Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen it, you got to see it. It, it, It's so different back then than what it is now. This is when wrestling was more on a real, real tip. Uh, When people were fighting, I mean, literally fighting for position. Uh, It was just something. Oh, you know what it was? It was um, Jeff Jarrett's dad. uh, Another one where he he uh, he pulled the guy's eyeball out. Oh, yeah, that was the first one. That was the first one. Yeah. Okay. He, he and literally the, and pulled, the, and the guy came back with a gun in the ring. Yes. Yeah. This shit went on, man. Can you believe this shit? I, I mean, you'd be thrown under a jail cell. Yeah. And, and the funny part about it is when they're talking about it, the cops came. The, the sheriff was sitting ringside. He comes back and tries to arrest the guy, and they all go and get arrested between him, Jerry, and uh, Jarrett, and Lawler, and then I forgot who the dude's name was that uh, pulled the gun on him, but it's like, holy shit. Uh, but yeah, I was very standoffish just because everything that happened, everybody has a sour taste in their mouth with the dark side of the ring guys. I get it. And it's just like, okay, it's whatever. I gave it a shot. I dug the first one. Like I said, if, if, if you don't have vice, I know they come out on the YouTube channels for vice TV too. So that's always another possibility. I don't know when they come out, whether it's a week later or a couple days later or whatever. But now, now why now why 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 are people beating up the guys from the dark side of the ring? I, just a lot of conversations I've had with a bunch of buddies is that they just the way they did Flair last year with his whole show, the way that they screwed Tommy up or Tommy Dreamer over. Uh, opinions are just like you know just like an like just like your ass everybody has one but it's i guess it goes back to that i think well i mean i yeah i get that part they, i mean yeah because they only took out what they wanted to put in mm-hmm. and it made tommy it made tommy sound and say something he didn't say mm-hmm. and i know that for a fact um but if you just, all right, so, all right, so that's one episode. But otherwise, the guys do a great job. Mm-hmm. They do a great job. Um, isn't Brian Gerwitz tied to this too as well? He's part of uh, Rock's uh, management team or a marketing team or something for the company. Okay, okay, I got you. Yeah, but okay, I was just wondering. I thought that'd be something that the listeners may want to know about too. I, I just didn't know. I didn't know why they were being hated on. And I guess yeah. if you do put words basically in people's mouths or make it come out to where they say something they didn't say exactly. I mean, I can see the frustration there. Yeah. Well, and speaking of frustration, Brian, it's time. It's time for the ref and review. The segment that is going all over the sheets in the wrestling community. Brian Hebner is pissed off again. What does he have to say? Well, There's only one way to do it, Brian. Let's go, brother. Well, welcome to Reference Review. So, this is going to be an easier week. I'm not going to be so brash. Uh, I'm going to start off light. And I'm going to start off with ref cues. Um, I'm noticing week after week, the ref cues. 
And for those of you who don't understand what I'm saying, we have a earpiece. Some companies have two, like you work at fucking McDonald's. <laughs> um, but you have an earpiece and what that does for us and the talent is enable us to give the guys where we are in the match as far as time wise. So you say you have a double segment, meaning you have a commercial in between your match. You lead them up time wise to the commercial, lead them back in time to the, um, to the start of it. My point being some referees are doing a good job of that. So there's some that are not. And I think it's simply because of the fact that they're not sure and they're nervous. Okay. So what I want referees to do or look at or think about is there's no reason if you have five minutes left before break or the end of the match to dive in for no reason to not check on anybody or anything and just give a cue because you're telling the world what you're doing. It's okay to wait till they get up, work to a spot, a rest hold into the corner, grab a hold, whatever it may be, and give it to them then. What's the difference between five minutes and four minutes? Unless that five was their go home that they had to must have. If that's the case, I get that. Otherwise, stop doing that. It's exposing what the guys before you have learned to do and do it at a good rate. Um, that's that's the main thing right now I'm noticing. And, and, and it's not with all of them. It's, it's some. It's some in particular that I could really, really say that just absolutely are absolutely horrible and suck at. And they've been in the business for a while and really no excuse that they're doing it still, obviously. And I notice every cue. I can tell you when that match is over, when that match is going to I can tell you everything because he tells me everything. But anyway, so I'm done with that one. I'm going to move on to Monday Night Raw. And I'm not picking on this particular person, but I'm talking about Jessica Carr again. Um, the finish. RJ, please tell me who the participants were again. I apologize. You're referring to the SmackDown from last Friday, I believe, correct? I thought it was wrong. Okay, no, you're right. It the, was SmackDown. The opponents, uh, the comp components. The opponents were Kofi Kingston and Sami Zayn. Uh, uh, I believe it was a, sing a singles match. Okay. And then there, okay, so we're, we have a great match. She's doing a great job. Great job. Everything's fine. Until we get to the finish. The finish is not the problem. The finish was great. It was a wonderful finish. I didn't mind the finish at all. It made a lot of sense, actually. Uh, whoever the agent was for that, cahoots. I'm putting you over. Great finish. But you got to check your referee. You got to figure out where your referee's positioning is going to be because her refereeing position was absolutely horrid. She saw the finish right in front of her face. Now, the finish, so everybody knows, in case you didn't watch, where there was a sunset flip kind of a deal where Kofi was on top for one, two, three. Well, he went to go and do that, and then – uh, one of the one of the someone at the table, right? Usos, Usos. Okay, uh, came through the rope because this roll up was right by the rope. Came through the rope to give a savat kick or just a kick, whatever. Which is great. Which rolled the pile back over for the one, two, three. Well, pos position wise, she's with her side, meaning she's level with the shoulders, which is where you're supposed to be for a referee, by the way, Jessica. That is correct, but not when you know a spot's coming. Your ass should have been facing 
towards where the kick was coming. That way you're counting and you miss and don't see anything. That was not done, whether it's her fault, whether it's the agent's fault, because damn it, I know they do walkthroughs there. I know they do. Unless they've eliminated that since I've been gone, every wrestling company does walkthroughs, and that had to have been walkthrough. I know they have smart agents, but there's no way in this world that either A, she wasn't told, or B, that she didn't do what she was told. Something happened there, but I can tell you right now, I've watched it at least, I'm going to say six times today to make sure that I knew what I was talking about, to make sure that I'm not talking about some dumb shit that's not there. That was there and it happened. Okay, so great job all the way through. It just, the finish was seen and it was right in front of the referee's face. Whose fault it was, I'm not saying whose it wasn't. But to me, if you're a referee, you know the spot's coming. You need to know how to position yourself. I know she hasn't been doing it for a ton of time, but it still should be something that she's been doing long enough to where she should be know that she needed to twist her body, get it the other way to not see the finish. It was very, very obvious. Yeah. And after that, I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. So, you know, another thing I want to throw out there, too, is anybody listening now or listening in the future, whatever. If you guys see something on a promotion, whatever promotion it may be, whether it be WWE, uh, whether it be Impact, AEW, uh, New Japan, Independence, whatever. Tag us on Twitter, or Instagram, at Refn it Up or at Baby Hebner. Let us know that you noticed it. And maybe we'll talk about it. We'll give you a shout out on the show. Uh, hey, I noticed, hey, Charles Robinson did this or did that. He's not going to mess up because he's Charles Robinson. But just an example, you know. Well, so, well, here's another thing, too. You know, so this new segment, which I like, and it's getting great reviews and hoping y'all are enjoying it, but it requires me to watch a lot of wrestling. Okay. By the way, <laughs> um, and I'm not opposed to that, but it, it, it that's a great idea, RJ, because that, you know, if I can't have one week where I'm doing a lot of stuff with my kids or whatever, and sure, I can't watch all of it and you guys help me out and send that stuff to me. Great. That'll help out. And that'll make this segment better. And I have no problem mentioning any of you guys, if that's what you want, if you just have questions, we'll just, oh, yeah. we'll just roll it off. But yeah, I mean, overall, this wasn't a bad week. And like I said, I'm not picking on Jessica. I'm not. Mm -hmm. um, but I am because she does need to know that that that's that's just not right. Now, maybe it's her agent. Um, and I'm sure she's not going to go to her agent and say, hey, you made me look like a fucking idiot. Mm -hmm. um, and I get that. But it was just wrong positioning. That's it. It just goes to wrong positioning. And it was just done wrong. It was just done wrong. And it could have been it could have been once again, not not something that should have happened. Well, let's send it up to a break with our good buddy, Kurt Angle. And we'll be back with Mr. David Penzer in our second count. Hello, it's Kurt Angle, 1996 Olympic gold medalist and 13-time world professional wrestling champion for Curable Active. My job for years as a top professional wrestler was to give millions of wrestling fans five-star matches they would remember for a lifetime. But to do my job, I had to put my body on the line. Unfortunately, I'm paying the price with injuries I've had on the mat and in the pro wrestling ring. My neck, which I broke five times, and I just had double knee replacement surgery, so I know pain. Aches and pains are part of life and pain sucks. 
You can suffer with it or manage it with all-natural Curable Active. This decision changed my life. I apply Curable Active daily to my achy areas for soothing pain relief. If Curable Active can get me through my day, there's a good chance it can help you too. Get Curable Active just like thousands of others and save 20% today. Go to Curable.com, use promo code KURT20. That's K-U-R-I-B-L.com, code K-U-R-T-20. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your second count. Count, count, All right, Brian, he is the one, the only, the man that was glorifying your TV sets each and every week in the 90s for WCW. The one, the only, Mr. David Penzer. Welcome to the show, Mr. Penzer. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excited. Awesome. How are you, Mr. David Penzer? Hello, Mr. Hebner. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, sir. I'm doing well. I'm ready to cover you. Can you believe that? You're well, all my- I'm happy to I'm ha- I'm happy to be on your podcast. We talked about it. And uh hey, just call me uh fill in uh fill in Dave because uh right. I'm happy to jump in it whenever hey, I had a podcast for four years, as you know. I I had guys that were fill-ins, and I don't mind being a fill-in. Well, I, I saw you say that something about that last night, and you are actually not a fill-in. You were—I may be wrong about weeks, but it doesn't matter. You were like three weeks out for us. We were going to have you on, and um, we just yeah. we just moved you forward. So you're just filling in for a forward day. That's it. There you go. I'm just busting your chops. Well, somebody has to. I can't do it all the time, you know, Dave. <laughs> Well, you do a good job of it. Hey, I try. That's what that's what they pay me for. Oh, well, sort of. Uh, you know, I, I want to touch really briefly, and I'll send it over to Brian, David. Is uh, I, I everybody probably first saw you when you got uh, got onto the scene with WCW uh, about late '93, early '94, uh, and then eventually got hired by Sh- Tony Schiavone in '95. I, I find it. Uh, I like the history of you know ring announcing, announcing, what have you. Uh, and to have two guys such as Tony Schiavone and Gary Michael Capetta to learn from had to kind of, you know, just realization really hit you then. Yeah, I mean, never, uh, never. I don't know if you found that on uh, Wikipedia, but never believe Wikipedia. Actually, it's a little bit earlier than that. I started stooging around WCW in uh, 1990. And then I, I joined not under contract, but I was like a backup ring announcer. I did the B house shows and some of the um, uh, worldwide uh, or, or WCW pro tapings in like around 93. It was 95 that Capetta left and I became the only ring announcer, the last one standing. But um, you're absolutely right. Uh, having Gary around, especially towards the end when he knew he was leaving, even though I kept telling him, you're not leaving, you'll end up coming back. But Having him around, especially at the end, he he taught me so much. He, he you know, I, I would I would ring the bell a lot of times at TV when I wasn't ring announcing, and I would literally, you know, we were up in the hard camera position, so I literally take notes on not so much on the announcements of the matches, but how he BS the crowd and got the kept the crowd going. To me, that's the hardest part of the job, you know. To me, the and it's still tough sometimes, still an impact. You know, if there's a break or they have to change a, a ring mat or 
clean up a bunch of plunder from a, uh, from a, a, a no DQ match. Um, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, or, or if there's a, 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 an issue in the truck, you got to BS for a while. And it's still some, I find myself sometimes I got my, my Gaga in my head, you know, for so many years, but still I find myself, you know, saying, Oh, uh, I hope that uh, we're ready to go soon. Cause I don't have that much more to talk about. And then I just, you know, I could BS the crowd and asking questions and all that, but it is, is by far the hardest part. Mm-hmm. And, and Gary helped me tremendously. Sure. So, so I'm looking through some, uh, some, some of the notes too, leading up, you know, to some of your career and, and, and I, you know, I'm really, really struck by this because I noticed that in 1997, uh, you found yourself in a, I would say a pickle as an announcer, uh, with a wrestler named Chris Jericho, where he was on a losing streak and would repeatedly attack you for announcing their names, uh, the winners. What, what, what can you talk about as far as that goes for you, as far as that storyline went? I actually saw Chris the other night, his wife and, uh, did a fundraiser for the Navy SEALs. And I, I went and we had a great time talking old memories and, uh, Believe it or not, there's a, a now Tom Brady's backup, but he was a starting quarterback uh, in the NFL. Um, and of course, now I can't think of his name, but uh, he actually uh, he's been a, he's been a quarterback in the NFL for a lot of years. And I'll think of it in a minute. But uh, he actually knew who I was. He used to watch WCW, which was kind of cool. But um, yeah, you know, that was about I would say that was about 90 percent Chris's idea, 5 percent Terry Taylor input. And 5% my input, because me and Chris used to draw ride together. So he was talking about being frustrated about wanting to turn heel. And nobody really cared what happened at that point on WCW Saturday night. Uh, it was sort of Terry's show. And then later on, it became me and Arn and Jimmy Hart's show. And um, uh, which was probably one of the, the coolest p- time of my career. But that's jumping the gun ahead. Um, so, yeah, it was Chris is so creative. Everybody knows it. You know, whether he's the greatest wrestler of all time will forever be debated. Uh, you know, people have different opinions and I respect them. Whether he's the most creative wrestler of all time and as far as recreating himself over and over and over and over again successfully, I don't think there's any, any doubt that he is the greatest of all time. And uh, it was fun working with him. It's sort of, you know, people started knowing who I was a little bit. It's sort of, you know. Uh, uh, got me a little uh, bit of attention, so that was cool. You know, not gonna lie, and and it helped get Chris over, who's a good friend. So it was fun. Yeah, are you surprised that he's you know doing as much as he has been doing? Uh, he just recently signed an extension with AEW that I saw today too, um, where he's doing a lot more uh, you know behind the scenes work too, as well as obviously mentoring on on screen too. But um, are you really surprised that he's been, you know, reinventing himself time and time again in the business? I was, I mean, I used to be, but not anymore. Um, you know, it's funny. I saw him, he goes, and, and they had a, uh, they had like a bunch of stuff for um, silent auctions. And one was a Chris Jericho, AEW, uh, you know, uh, kind of basket, Merc basket. And it had his newest shirt, which says obviously the Ocho. And mm-hmm. I pointed it out. I said, what happened to the wizard, man? I love the wizard. He, when is he coming back? And he goes, got to go with the Ocho for now. So <laughs> he's like so creative. He like doesn't even give his creations a chance to to to, to run its course. Uh, but um, 
But yeah, and, and the funny thing about that whole stuff about him uh, ripping off my tux jacket and banging my chair, there's always small little things in his ideas that you look back or you can look at and you kind of shake your head and laugh. I, it always cracks me up because he would rip off my tuxedo jacket and he would take my chair I was sitting in and he would bang it against the ring post. So then the next week, as you know, he would bring me a brand new tuxedo jacket and he would bring me a new chair. I get the tuxedo jacket. You don't find a tuxedo jacket in a television arena every week. But there's like thousands of chairs, but he's bringing me the chair. And, and, and it's it's like absurd, but it's funny. And it's just the little things that like that that make him so good at, at, at creating interest in whatever he decides he wants to do uh, with his uh, with his career at that moment. So, you know, when WCW was purchased by, obviously, the World Wrestling Federation at the time, in 2001, there was a moment, obviously, in your mind where you were probably pretty bummed because you weren't brought aboard. I would not think so. Um, what was your feelings at that time? I mean, you, you know, that, that had to be a lot of, I would say, hardship, knowing that you didn't know your future and what was, what was going to happen. Can you touch on us a little bit about where you were when this purchase happened? Yeah. You know, I saw it in, on, on the computer, somebody smart me up. Um, and on, so I went to, uh, this is about three or four days before that last night show. And somebody said, turn on WCW.com. And I said, uh Oh, what happened? And I'll, I'll never forget it. And somebody actually I was talking about this on Twitter about a year ago. And somebody actually found this screenshot and, and, uh, it looked just like I described it, but there was a, um, a splash page. Uh, they don't have those anymore, I don't think, but there was a splash page when you went into WCW.com and it had the WWF logo on the upper left and then a big purchases in the middle and then the WCW logo on the lower right. That's how I found out. Uh, it's almost like finding out on Twitter these days, you know, that you got fired or something, but uh, uh I wouldn't lie. I wouldn't lie to you. I mean, I, I shed a little bit of a tear. You know, I didn't get too emotional, but I was like, you know, finally, I'm doing this. Nobody gave me a shot. I didn't really give me a shot. And I worked my butt off and I got to and, you know, and and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But then I just figured, you know what, I got this far. So whatever I decide to do moving forward, whether it's wrestling or whether uh, uh, it's uh, I have to recreate myself, I'm going to, you know, put as much um, energy and, and time and and, and effort into it. And uh, the cool thing was I had, I had never gotten big money because they were handing out money at the end of WCW, as you know, uh, you know, ridiculous amounts of money. I got paid okay, but I never got big money because I was an employee. So you could, it wasn't like my contract came up. I would get a, a little raise every year. Um, but it ended up working out for the best because when we left, uh, you got a, um, a severance. For every year you worked in WCW, you got uh, full pay and full uh, benefits. And my, I had two little kids at the time, you know. And uh, so uh, I got eight months of uh, full pay and full uh, benefits, uh, insurance, that kind of stuff. And and that really saved my ass, if I could say that. Uh, I good. don't know what would have happened if, uh, if I didn't have that afforded to me. And... Um, I did meet with Jim Ross and, and John Laurinaitis. Uh, they were meeting with all the talent. I was told that when and if the uh, WCW is run as a separate brand and they run shows, that I'm going to be the ring announcer. So enjoy my severance and stay in touch. That one, uh, I will tell you this, that one um, 
I, uh, Raw in Seattle, where Booker T faced Buff Bagwell, and the match yeah. really didn't get over for various reasons. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. So it turns out uh, John Laurinaitis called me uh, after they got back, and he goes, you'll never guess what happened. And I said, uh, what happened? I said, the, the match didn't go over well. He goes, no, not that. I said, all right, you got me interested. He said, we're at the production meeting, and Vince McMahon, somebody asked Vince McMahon who's going to ring announce the WCW match. And Vince said, well, who's the WCW ring announcer? And somebody said, David Penzer. I don't know if it's probably Laurinaitis. And Vince says, well, is he here? It, uh, we were in Atlanta the next day. Raw was in Atlanta the next week. So Lauren Ice was like, well, come down and I'll tell Vince that the ring announcer's here. So I came with my tux and all that stuff. And it's one of the first times I ever met Howard Finkel. He had talked to him for about an hour. What a great guy. He's uh, the greatest ring announcer of all time. And no one's even close. Uh, and um, so I uh, saw a lot of old friends. And, um, and then they had a really long uh, production meeting. And at about three o'clock, uh, Laurenitis came out and he called me over and said, they're killing the whole WCW angle. So there's no need for a WCW ring announcer. He said, but you're welcome to stay. <laughs> I said, I took my tux. I said, no, man, thank you. I appreciate it. Stay in touch. And then um, later, late, later on, they were looking for a live event host, which wasn't a ring announcer. It was a live event host. And I actually got hired for that job. It was right before the Christmas holidays. And they said, we just need to figure out whether to pay you night tonight or put you on salary. And I said, all right, well, after the holidays, just let me know whatever you decide. And th that was when Vince had uh, put uh, Bischoff and Teddy Long, the Raw and SmackDown GMs, on the road because he decided for them to take the job of the live event host for the brands. So, But I did get to go, go to Time Towers and – got the whole tour and met met with everybody pretty much other than Vince. And so that was, that was a very cool experience. They flew me first class, picked me up in a limo. Uh, it was a, it was a very cool experience to have done that. That's awesome, man. That's that's, that's really awesome. So were you um, after the, the purchase of WCW, were you literally out of work as far as wrestling goes until the 2006, when you joined uh, TNA at that point in time as the ring announcer? Because uh, you made your debut there. At, no, at no I, I would do indie shows. I did an Australian tour uh, for Jeff Jarrett. Uh, he had a company back then, and Jeremy. Um, I did indie shows, you know, some conventions and stuff. And then um, in 2002, it was actually the first week I got a check was the, was the last week of my severance pay. A uh, company called the XWF, which uh, we ended up taping 10 hours of television at Universal Studios. We had uh, uh, the Nasty Boys, the Road Warriors. Uh, Hulk was involved. Um, Roddy Piper was involved. Uh, Vampiro, Kurt Hennig, Bobby Heenan, Gene Okerlund. Uh, so we did a couple of pilot episodes at Universal to shop around. So they paid me for about two years. I'm actually in the works of doing a uh, brief uh podcast about that time uh, 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 for ad-free shows. So if you're interested in finding out more about what we call the last prom the lost promotion, L-O-S-T, uh, be sure to uh, look for those details. That's coming soon. But um, but yeah, so the X after the XWF, I was out of the business till TNA. Yeah, I had a company that I started with a couple of friends. We did airbrush tattoos. I know that sounds silly, but we were at one point in 200 locations in North America 
and on 23 cruise ships. Um, really, it was a really successful company until uh, 2008 when the economy tanked over the housing market. And I was able to get to, 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 to keep it rolling just with myself without my partners for about another 10 years, but uh, the COVID killed it dead. So also uh, October 16th, uh, in 2008, the addition of TNA Impact, Kurt Angle had beaten Mr. Penzer, beat him up, and put him in an ankle lock on him. And it was said that you were legitimately injured uh, as your oh, face yeah. was fallen. And you, Jeremy Borash took over, JB took over you, your announcing duties for the rest of that night. What? Well, that part, that part, that part was planned, but he he laid into me a couple of times. Uh, the, I didn't even feel the ankle lock. I mean, that you can't even feel that. But um, but yeah, it was an elbow, and then he he took off my shoe, uh, my dress shoe, and he was hitting me in the head, and he told me to cover my face, my my head with my hands, like you know, like you put them up if a police officer told uh, the pulled you over, and um, but he went he he uh ended up hitting my cheeks. So I had both cheeks were swollen. I looked like the elephant man. Uh, and um, I mean, I, I, it wasn't any permanent damage. I just iced it up, went home and, and just, you know, uh, let, let the swell down. But uh, I did get a $500 bonus from Terry Taylor. So that was kind of, that was, that was nice. <laughs> so, so basically Kurt Angle just doesn't like fucking uh, you. <laughs> no, what actually, well, he not. He, I mean, we we have a great relationship, but at the time he might not have. He apologized to me a bunch of times. He still does whenever he sees me. Um, what happened was, is um, you know, funny. I was talking to you about that Australian airbrush tattoo company. We had a trade show in Orlando uh, during the taping, so uh, Jeff was allowing me to come in around five o'clock instead of coming in for the production meeting and being there the whole day, so I could go do my trade show at the convention center and then do that. And um, and so Kurt basically told me that he wanted to lay it afterwards. He told me, he said, I'm really sorry. I felt like we didn't get a chance to go over it and I wanted it to look good. So I laid it in, which is how I usually do most of what I do. But I do apologize that it messed you up. And I was like, I, I don't don't think you did it on purpose. And if you did, what am I going to do? Fight you about it? I said, <laughs> it's, it's all good. So moving forward, you know. So, you, you were released a couple times, or I guess is the word, for budget costs on, on two occasions. Um, now you're back, and you've been back. Um, can you tell me how that was to be let go because of budget costs a separate time? How many times have you actually had a stint with TNA slash Impact Wrestling? Is this your third time? I believe, yeah, I believe this is my third time. Um, the funny thing is that when I first came in, it only was supposed to be for one shot, for one week. Um, and uh, JB got over so well as doing the backstage commentary, which he was great at. And um, and uh, so they decided to keep me around. But it was always told to me, if and when JB has to go back to being a ring announcer, you're gone because JB started with us and he does production for us and he's a valuable part of the booking crew. And, and so, you know, he's, you know, you're, you're the next man gone. And I always knew that Terry Taylor, who was in charge of talent relations, um, had called me into 
to his office, which was just the big uh, conference room at Universal where we had the booking meetings, uh, about two weeks before that. And he said, um, are you leaving? And I said, "Going, leaving for where? And he goes, leaving the company. I said, no, where'd you hear that? He goes, oh, there's a rumor going around that you're leaving the company. I said, I said, you're paying me really good. I still get to do my other job. I get to hang around the boys, which if you're in the business, you know that that's always the fun part most of the time to hang and have a few drinks. I said, and um, I'm having the time of my life. Why would I leave? And he was like, well, good, because we value you here. And I said, all right, thank you. And I went that next, uh, when I got back from those tapings, I went and bought my, my wife a car because I was like, I ain't nowhere. They love me. They're afraid I was going to leave. Two weeks later, the, Terry Taylor called. And when Terry Taylor would call you anybody, he would always say, hi, this is Terry Taylor. I'm not calling to fire you so that you didn't think, so you knew right off the bat. But he called me and said, hey, this is Terry Taylor. And I said, what about the firing part? He goes, I'm sorry, you're not getting fired, but JB's not going to do backstage interviews anymore, so he's going to be the ring announcer. I said, well, that was always the deal. I just wish you wouldn't have told me that uh, that you wanted me around for a long time because I just bought my wife a car, and now I got five years of car. <laughs> oh, God. Jeez. But uh, – but but it, it lasted four years, four or five years longer than it was supposed to. So and I had a blast. I got to know Don West and Mike Tenay and, and and hang out with Jeff and 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 Kevin Nash and and you know saw a different side of him than was in WCW. Um, just got to know so many people. Your dad, uh, you know, I I can't even begin to tell you how much fun I had. Uh, you know, in because in, in WCW, it was like. I, I had a personal connection. I was uh, I was involved in production at one point. I was assistant talent relations at one point. Uh, I was sat in at the end on the the the, the, the creative team, uh, sort of a member of the creative team. Like I said, uh, me and Tony Schiavone and Arn Anderson and um, and Jimmy Hart took over WCW Saturday Night for a time. So I had a vested interest in that company as far as my future and 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 you know. The, wanting to be okay. I love TNA and I'm so glad that it's still around in the form it's in, but I didn't have any investment, personal investment. I had a company that was very successful. Uh, if, if, if at the end of the day, if the company wasn't doing well, it didn't change anything for me. So I, say I didn't care because of course I cared. Uh, I always care, but I wasn't as personally invested as I was in WCW. So I could just have fun and let loose a little bit more. So to close out this, uh, <clears throat> the second count here. Now you're there. You've been there for a while. Um, I was there with you. Um, you 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 stole my locker room. Um, but uh, <laughs> I stole your locker room. I'm kidding with you. I'm kidding with you. But we always do dress in the same room. Let's just make that known fact. Me, you, and Daniel. Yeah, well, when I when I first came up, I was dressing in uh, um, uh, Kenny's room. Kenny had his own production, has his own production room in the studios at, uh, at uh, Nashville. So I would dress in there only because everybody was so spread out. So I just decided to see if I could go in there. And that's where I kind of hung out. He had a couch. And so it was cool. I, I also didn't know most of the talent. I knew a lot. I knew a lot of the uh, producers and Scott, of course. But most of the talent was very young when we first started there. And um, and I, I really didn't know them. And with COVID, like, you you know, in the old days, I would have gone and I'd have gone around the locker room and shook everybody's hand. 
and introduce myself. Well, this is right at the beginning of COVID. Nobody was touching each other. We all had masks on. So it was like, I'm waving at people going, hi, David Penzer, nice to meet you from the other side of the room. And then there was a talent hotel and there was an office hotel and I was at the office hotel. So I didn't get to really hang with them after, after the show either. So for like the first six, eight months, I didn't really get to know those guys. And then so, slowly but surely, they I got to know them and, and consider uh, it a great locker room. And uh, the only thing is we miss you there, guy. Oh, and before we go any further, Blaine Gabbert is the Tom Brady's backup who recognized mm-hmm. me. I just thought of it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then why don't we send it up to the third count? We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your third count. Count, count, count. All right, well, Brian, we're going to start hot with this third count. We got a, a couple questions from your, uh, well, let's call him a protege, Mr. Daniel Spencer. Uh, he has a couple questions for you, Mr. Penzer. He says, why is Daniel Spencer your favorite referee over Brian Hebner. Um, I like Daniel Spencer a lot. Uh, uh, I feel like, uh, like, you know, he's not my protege cause I'm not a referee and, and, but I've kind of feel like I've, you know, taken him under my wing a little bit and, you know, given him advice here and there when, when he might need it or even when he doesn't. Um, uh, I, I really wish he would stop with the stupid puns on Twitter uh we've addressed that before he refuses to do it but i hate it uh it it just puts me in a bad mood instantly and then i have to get back in a good mood instead of just like being in a good mood all day but um uh i I would say that um i would not say that uh daniel is my favorite referee over brian me and brian had a lot of good times me and brian and daniel had a lot of good times um you know uh if I had, those were two of my drinking buddies uh, back when we all stayed in the same hotel. So um, I had a lot of fun with them. But uh, tell Daniel Spencer to stop with his puns and stop shit disturbing and trying to put me and Hebner having heat together. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Hold on now. Here's one thing. Wait a minute now. That was a great answer, by the way, Penzer. And second of all, why the fuck would Daniel ask something like that? And not well, only that. Because he's a shit disturber. Well. You know what? It's okay. You know, and here's the thing. I, I would write I would write something like if the situation was reversed, I would write like, why is David Penzi your ring announcer, your favorite ring announcer? But I wouldn't pit him and say, and 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 do you do you like him better than Justin Roberts or something? But you know, he's young, he hasn't learned yet. It's a different world. If he'd have done that back 20 years ago, he'd have huge heat probably. Uh, get ribbed a ton for being a shit disturber, and he'd learn. But all I can say right now, folks, is that right now on Reffing It Up, we have got Penzer fucking hot. He is hot. <laughs> this is fucking great. Uh, so his second question. What's the uh, second question the dipshit had? <laughs> this is uh, great. This is great. Uh, he says, who has been the coolest or favorite person and favorite match that you have announced? I will, will tell you this. Everybody always asks me my favorite match. I, I don't have a favorite match. I have moments. Right. Um, Scott Hall walking down the, um, the, 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 through the crowd, taking my microphone uh, in Macon, Georgia, 
was one of my favorite moments. Obviously, it's uh, the promo was incredible based on the whole scheme gene uh, uh, skits they were doing in WWF. And uh, uh, you make it seem like, uh, you know, there was like they were sent by he and then later Kevin Ash were sent by Vince to invade the company. Uh, obviously, one of the better, best known angles in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, when Ric Flair returned to the Four Horsemen in Greenville, South Carolina, and they pretended he wasn't there, and then they brought him out at the end, and then he had a shouting match uh, with uh, Eric Bischoff. That was a moment. Um, I would say I, – I can't say who my favorite person is. I, I, I've been lucky to be friend, become friends with a lot of my heroes and, um, and to get to know them. And, you know, there's a saying, don't get to know your heroes. They'll disappoint you. I'd say probably only 5% of them disappointed me, and I just let that roll off my, uh, my back because the other 95% were as cool as I could have hoped. To be able to hang out with guys like me and Gene Okerlund and Bobby Heenan, um, uh, to be able to ride in, uh, together for about six months uh, on house show loops with Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, uh, you know, those are, mo those are moments that you'll never forget in times that people would, you know, it, they would, people would pay money to do that for a weekend, like on a, if, if it was like a charity auction. You know, if, if you win this bid, you could ride, spend, do a loop with Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. I mean, that, that that's like, you know, you can't even put a price on that. That's uh, that, that's just one, one in, once in a million. And I got to do it for six, eight months. So, you know, I, I will say my favorite ring entrance was Randy Savage. Because I think that that pop and circumstance is the best ring music in the history of professional wrestling. But. I don't know that I definitely have a favorite person, but I, I got to know and be friends and, and, and get to hang with so many cool people. Uh, and uh, it's just this, this whole journey has been a blast. You know, it's not all perfect. Uh, you know, there's ups and downs, uh, but uh, it's just been a blast. I'm so privileged and lucky to be in Impact Wrestling. The locker room is great. Uh, the talent is young and hungry and great. Uh, and, um, you know, we've, I've just had a, I've, I've had a blast. Uh, you know, I've known Scott Demore for 32 years at one point back in 92 and 93. I was actually his boss. So uh, so it's, 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 it's she's been on the other foot for a while now. So I'm used to it. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I was I was his boss waiting for it. And he'll, he'll tell you the story. He told it on my podcast when I had one. He'll tell you the story. He, I brought him into WCW. I was in charge of the enhancement guys and he was the enhancement guy. So um, so anyway, that's that's my answer to that question. From shit disturber Spencer. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to thank Daniel for that great question. Um, Don't thank him. Uh, well, I'm, I'm being facetious because he. He's, I, yeah, I he's, try, he's trying. To heat between me and you, man. There's, there's no way that could ever happen. No, there's no heat, brother. It's just him trying. It's never going to work, and it's okay. Like you said, he's young, dumb, full of calm. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know about that. That last one. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's got to be he's younger than way more than you. Everybody's younger than me. Other than uh, there, there's a certain director. I don't want to say his name. There's a certain director who directs Impact Wrestling shows. And uh, other than him, I'm the oldest one in the entire crew. Uh, so uh, the, the regular crew. I mean, they bring in uh, like cameramen in different cities and audio guys that might be older. But on, on the regular crew that makes all the shows, knock on wood. Uh, I'm the second oldest, and trust me, it's not fun. 
Well, then, Penzer, you're not in that last category we talked about. I don't know why you're worried about Daniel being full of cum. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> well, I just said I didn't know about that. That's, that's uh, you know, I didn't say he <laughs> well, well, I fucking hope not. But anyway, on to the next segment <laughs> here. Zachary Tasker has a question. He wants to know, why do you not step into the ring for most of your intros like other announcers such as Justin Roberts and AE, AEW or other WWE announcers do? Well, this is actually for kind of a funny story. Um, I told you earlier when I got brought into TNA the first time, I was only supposed to be there a week or two. And I think out of respect for Jeremy, who uh, Jeff was very and continues to be very close friends with. And and um, and like I said, he's a, a cornerstone of the history of that company and been with them since the beginning. Uh, there was a time where everybody was told when they were searching for a money investor back in when it first started and it didn't work out, people were told that they weren't getting paid and they could go, you know, do something else. And Jeremy worked there for free. So much respect. And I think Jeff had a respect and friendship for him. He didn't want to just put the old WCW ring announcer on TV for two weeks and have people talking about it. So he told me, asked me if I do it from outside the ring. And I sold it. I made the mistake of selling it because I was like, why don't you want me in the ring? Uh, and I kept asking, you know, you, you know, you know how that this goes, Hebner. Once, once you, um, once you put something over that you're like hot about it or a little angry about it, uh, you know, back in the old days, they never stopped ribbing you. So, yeah, yeah, I like probably would have gone. Kind of like you just did with uh, Daniel. I got it. I got it. Yep. Yeah. So if I would have, if I wouldn't have made a big deal of it, probably once they realized that I wasn't going away for a while, they probably would have put me in the ring. But Jeff got such a kick out of me selling it that he just, I always stayed out. And at first, I, I'll be honest with you, at first I was hot about it and, and got, it got to be so much easier. Uh, it, it, it's, it, I don't know, for me, it's better. And, and the funny thing is, is Jeff was up, to, was, came, was up to something because if you look at WWE now, they're only in the ring to do the in-ring main event intro. They're not in the ring during the other intros. Um, I noticed that at WrestleMania, I was watching WrestleMania this year. And so they're doing it from outside the ring unless they do the in-ring intros, uh, which I do on the pay-per-views from inside the ring. So uh, basically, WWE is doing the same thing as, as, as TNA Impact has been doing uh, since uh, 2006. All right. So I, I had a quick question, too. I know you talked about a number of guys that um, as far as office management, what have you, that you um, relationships with. You mentioned Jeff Jarrett there. Uh, what was your relationship with uh, with Eric Bischoff, both in WCW and did, and, ha and if you happen to run into him with uh, TNA as well? You know, it's funny. I really didn't have one. Eric was, um, and he's the first person to tell you, Eric. And he said this on his podcast. But people have asked, you know, ask Eric anything, and they've asked him about me. And he said this on my podcast. We really didn't interact all that much. He was right. not the type of guy that goes around and shake your hand and say, hey, thank you. You're doing a great job. That's just not his personality. Um, he didn't really do it with anybody, uh, you know, but but at the time it still gets frustrating. And um, and so then I, I got a little intimidated by him and he could probably smell that I was a little intim intimidated by him. Jeff, uh, he's long said that he didn't respect anyone that didn't have an ego. And I, I was uh, and, and he, he could probably tell I was intimidated by him. So he probably, you know, as we said, you know, you give him a, an ounce that you're pissed or you're you're a little worried or scared. 
they'll they'll play that up forever. So but, um after after WCW is over and, and I'd say in the last five years I I've done um Hulk Hogan Uncensored, which we did on Broadway and in Toronto and in Allentown, where I was the the MC and Eric was the host and Hogan came out and uh, uh they talked about his career and then did a QA. And um and then also uh you know Brian Nobbs was doing the legends of wrestling up until COVID uh with sports teams and 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 casinos and he would be on most of the shows and we got to talking and and we got to we we actually ended up becoming friends you know we're not like buddy buddy but we're friends and it was it's kind of cool to like be able to put a period at the end of that sentence not to say if it didn't happen it would have affected my life in any any negative way but it was pretty cool just to be able to say all right you know it was it was a little strange and sometimes it was frustrating in WCW but you know what? Everything's cool now, and uh, I don't have to worry. I don't ever have to think about that again. All right. And uh, here's another question. Um, this question is asked, um, is there ever anyone that's been tighter in this business than David Penzer? And that question is asked by Paul Heyman. Tight? Um, Scott Steiner? Uh, let's see who's known for being tight. Uh, I'm really not tight. I mean, I'll, look, I'll take a free drink every, every, every freaking night, if not two, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really not tight. I, uh, you know, I, I can serve my money because, uh, like I learned in WCW and in the, uh, successful airbrush tattoo company, not everything lasts forever. And especially the way the real estate market's been with interest rates, I'll let you buy me a drink. Sure, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not tight. Okay, oh contraire, mon frere. We're gonna go on to the next question. <laughs> so, I want to know. This is a question from me. Who do you think that you use to influence the style of ring announcing that you do? So, if there were people that you were modeling yourself after, or if there is. Who would that be? Um, just because I, I I I watch Gary Capetta every time every time in TV and you know like I said I had ring announced indie shows uh, prior to WCW for about two years so I could ring announce it's working the crowd at a TV thing that I never had 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 to do and it's what frightened me the most when I first started having to do when, when I first not having to do but was honored to do TV and. Gary was one of the best at that. Howard Finkel may be the best of all time at ring announcing. Gary was probably the best of all time at entertaining the crowd throughout the show. He would do this thing where, and he'd do it in every town. And throughout the course of the night, he'd say, we have a applause meter in the back. And you guys have just beaten Dallas, Texas for, for, for fifth place, best audience we've had all year. And then he'd say, Couple matches later, you guys got to keep making noise because you just—I've just been informed by the truck that you guys have uh, beat Atlanta, Georgia, for the best crowd of the year, and so on and so forth. And before the last match, you'd say, "Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations! You guys have been great. You guys are the best audience of the year." He did this every freaking place we went. It was brilliant. It worked. You think the people would catch on to it, but they got into it. And I so wanted to steal it when he left. I just thought that that was such a creative thing. I took variations of it, but I didn't steal the actual applause meter line. Uh, but I took little parts of that as far as entertaining the audience and getting them, keeping them inter involved in the show. Uh, 
especially during a long time. So he was probably my biggest influence. But I will tell you this. When I was a kid, I used to watch the Madison Square Garden Network and the uh, old WWF shows back in the late 70s, early 80s. And my favorite part of the whole uh, night was when Howard Finkel, before the last match, and it wasn't the main event because the main event always went on in the middle. But before the last match, he'd run down the card for next month at Madison Square Garden. And this guy could build it up so well and build up the excitement of the crowd that you pop for the main event next week, ladies and next next month, ladies and gentlemen, is Bob Backlund defending his WWF title against Sika the Samoan. And it's like, you want to like say Sika the Samoan? That sucks. He's a tag team. But the way he built it up, it's like, yeah, that looks great. That sounds great. It was it was my favorite thing to watch. Uh, and um, I've talked to other ring announcers back in the day, and they've said the same thing. So there's something about him running down that card, man, that was just a thing of beauty. Uh, you know, I, I got one last one for you, David, is uh, Brian's always been one that, uh, well, I'll put it bluntly. He hates traveling. Uh, is that... Uh, how you feel as well and you don't mind you know going on these these trips to these shows i i don't look at it as fun anymore you know back in the day you know we would go out to a bar afterwards and uh or you know we during the day we'd go and see a sight sightsee a little bit especially in unique places you could ask brian i don't think i've ever only time i've ever not been anywhere but since i started with impact again the only time I've there, I've, I've left the hotel to go anywhere but the building that we were playing in or the airport was when we were in Nashville this last time. Brian doesn't even know this. Uh, my wife came up to Nashville for her birthday. And the Thursday we came in, she wanted me to take her downtown. So I grinned and bared it and went downtown Nashville. On a Thursday night, the place was packed. It's dirty as hell. You can't find a seat. You can't get a drink. And uh, But I grinned and bared it, uh, you know, for my for my wonderful wife's uh birthday but um that's the only one and only time since i started with impact that i've done anything uh, i'm just uh, I'd, I'd rather stick around the hotel have a few drinks talk with some people and um and get a good night's sleep which not was not how i used to be i don't hate it as much as brian does um i couldn't do the travel full time like you know if, if if not that they're going to but if w, wwe called and said hey yeah you know we, we need a senior senior ring announcer when we say senior we mean old like you and <laughs> You know, uh, we want to go on these four-day loops. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do the driving. I hate driving. It's it's one thing to fly in. It's another thing when you have to, you know, start on a Friday night one place, drive 250 miles, and then do it the next night, and then drive another 200, 300 miles. It's uh, it, I, it was fun at the time. Uh, we you know we told and, and ribbed each other and stuff. But at 56 years old. I couldn't do that again. Not that I'm going to have the opportunity. There's no way that WWF he would ever call me. But I'm just saying, if for some reason a miracle happened and um, and and something like that was uh, approached, I couldn't do the travel. But I don't hate it as quite as much as uh, uh, the boss uh, Brian Hemner does. So um, I, I want to end it with with just this, as far as questions go, um, and, and I want Pinsner to talk about this because. Um, I was in the ring doing a match, which he may be able to tell you what it was. Uh, and he was doing his in-ring introductions. And he either said it or was so close to saying, 
The referee for this match is senior referee Earl Hebner. Well, I, I did. I, I did not say that. What <laughs> happened was, what what happened was, and I've since started taking notes uh, on a note card so that I could cheat if I have to. But what happened was, I drew a blank. You know, when you get old, sometimes your mind doesn't work the way it used to. And I drew a blank uh, as I'm announcing the referee for this match is, and I'm drawing a blank of what your name was. Just nothing personal. I kept the time. I, I can't think of, like, I couldn't think of uh, uh, the backup QB for Tom Brady. I just, just, you get old, that's what happens. It doesn't help when you drink vodka. But, um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I had a blank. So I thought to myself, Earl Hebner, and I, Brian, and I said Brian Hebner, but yeah, I did think your dad because, since, you know, he was, um, you know, somebody growing up who I used to watch, I had a lot more memories of him and, and you know, his involvement with the business. And um, I, I really, we've known each other a long time, but only re- uh, this last time that I've been there, we really hung out and, uh, and, and on a consistent basis. So, um, so I'm not, it wasn't, it was just a, a blank moment. I now... Uh, like I said, I have little cheat cards. I don't ever have to use them, which is uh, which is another strange thing because then the mind knows that it can't mess with you uh, and draw a blank, so it just lets you remember everything. <laughs> I just I just remember that there was this like pregnant pause, and I'm kind of <clears throat> I literally like look over and I'm like going, "It's fucking Brian, Brian, Brian." <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did, yeah, you you did. Uh, but I, I didn't say your dad, uh, but, um, but yeah, you did. And, uh, uh, getting old is, I know I've harped on this a lot, but getting old is not fun, especially in a young man's wrestling business. But, uh, but it, it, it I still, you know, like I, I take notes now. I say even see, I'm so full of myself that, uh, even at 56 with my bald spot in the back of my head, I'm so full of myself that the reason I don't read it off the cue card is because I don't want to wear my reading glasses when I'm on camera. So I did do it at Flair's last match main event because it was just so detailed. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to mess this up. So, you know, this is a big show and I'm not going to mess it up. And I was brought in just to do the main event. So I actually wore my reading glasses. But um, but I write, I just take notes and I write it big enough uh, so that I don't need my reading glasses if I, if, if like, uh, you know, in big block letters. And um. And yeah, but everything else worked pretty much word for word, like shortcuts. But I write down on the format uh, when I'm not when I'm not in the ring uh, doing the show. I mean, I write everything down. Um, I've always written everything down. You never want to assume anything because you know your mind could go blank at any moment. So, well, listen, um, I, I really want to say I really do, really do. Thank you so very much for uh, getting on, roughing it up, and. Uh, it was short notice, and once again, you were not a fill-in. You were uh, you were just moved ahead. And uh, I know, I know. You, you reached you reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and asked if I could do it, and I had to I had to get make sure Impact was uh, uh, was okay with it because uh, they like to uh, know what you're doing when it comes to that kind of stuff. And they said, "Go ahead, have fun." And, and uh, so I did. And um, and uh, I so I I know I'm just playing. I was kind of putting Diana over. But uh, because uh, because I'm a suck up at you know at now. But uh, I've always been a suck up. Actually, I'm not gonna lie. But uh, but yeah, though uh, not 
it's a, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I know you did my podcast back in the day and uh, happy to return the favor. And um, anytime you need somebody to jump on in and tell some stories, uh, call old pens or don't call after 10. All right. Well, <laughs> and, and, and I'll say this now um, you've done a really good job of putting yourself over as far as your other stuff. So I want you to know this. Here's a moment for you to go ahead and just tell all the listeners where to find you, what you have events coming up, what you want to do, all that good stuff. And then uh, let's see what you got. Uh, Going to be in Las Vegas this weekend. I'm not sure when this airs um, for Impact Wrestling, uh, two nights of uh, of television tapings. And, uh, uh, and so uh, hopefully get to see the fans in Vegas. And then we're coming to Louisville and uh, – uh, going to Fort Lauderdale and, and, and center stage, which was blast going back to center stage. The fans there were great. I can't wait to go back there again in Atlanta. Uh, as far as my stuff, I have a short form, you know, four or five episode podcast coming up with a guy named John Alba, super talented, nice guy uh, called the last, the lost, the last, the lost promotion, uh, the XWF. And we delve deep into, uh, into that. And we do watch alongs as well of the three hours that are still available. And I explain, you know, what was going on. I was involved in production. I was involved in booking TV. I was involved in, even though they sent me to Arkansas to edit stuff, not actually edit it, but there was an editor there and I had to tell him, he would say, all right, we got four minutes to chop out. And I'd have to do like two seconds here and five seconds here. And I'd be on the phone sometimes going, you want me to edit this out? Or you want me to edit this out? So I was very involved in the process. So we're going to go into that in detail. It's a very interesting story. And, um, and then, um, yeah, uh, I'm a realtor here in Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater, Lakeland, Sarasota. Uh, if you uh, if you know anybody or if you need uh, have any re uh, realtor needs, uh, feel free to hit me up. Um, and I'm on Twitter at David Penzer and uh, Facebook as well. I think it's David Penzer WCW on Facebook. So just hey, want to thank everybody. One of the cool things of coming back, uh, I thought I was done with the business, you know, and I was doing my podcast and I was OK with that. The young man's business, especially as far as ring announcers go, but I've been have had the absolute honor and pleasure that Scott and uh, and Impact Management believe brought me back and believed in me, and and continue to believe in me, and um and, and so just I've had so many fans on social media and in person just come up and say the nicest things. You know, I, I didn't realize that I made the impression that I made, uh, and I don't mean that to sound cocky. You know, people. I have people come up to me all the time and said, I used to do all the intros in the David Penzer voice. I had no clue anybody was doing intros using my voice. I, I was blown away the first couple of times I heard that. So I just want to thank all the fans um, for the, for the, for the uh, good vibes supporting me and uh, he supported my podcast for four years. And, um, and uh, man, a uh, good bunch of people out there that uh, that still love WCW and love it, TNA and and if you let, let me tell you one other thing, one last thing. If you gave up on TNA or Impact Wrestling, be sure to go out of your way to see it. The show is tremendous. The talent is unbelievable, and um, and it's a, a fast two hours of television. If you don't get Access TV, uh, you could subscribe for only ninety nine cents a month on uh, Ultimate Insider's YouTube page, the Impact Ultimate Insider's YouTube page. And you get to see the show commercial-free every Thursday night at about 8.30, no commercial. So basically, it's like less than 25 cents an episode. 
You don't have to watch the commercials. And 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 we'd love uh, for you guys to give give us a shot. People that have come back have have, have become uh, major fans again. Um, and uh, and 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 so as a personal favor to me, if maybe uh, you know, at the end of uh, TNA, maybe uh, uh, you lost interest. Um, come back and give us a chance because it's really 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 great product. Good deal. <clears throat> Just a good deal, man. Um, once again, I really do appreciate it, uh, Penzer, and uh, we'll talk like we always do and, um, <clears throat> you know, do our thing, and I really do appreciate it, and you've been great. You've been funny. This has been, this has been awesome All right, to me, man. I'm hanging up with you, and I'm going to call Spencer to rib him like I'm hot. That's fine, man. He'll listen tomorrow, and then he'll call me and text me and do all this bullshit like, you know, hey, 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 it is what it is, man. It's fun. It's all in fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I learned about this business a long time ago, especially when you're doing all that travel, 250, 300 miles a night, um, you know, planes overseas, stuff like that. You, you just have to have fun. You know, ribs are part of it. Not so much anymore, but still, they're not, they're not as stiff as the ribs used to be back in the day. But ribs, you know, are part of the equation. And, you know, people always say to me, man, nothing makes you mad. And I was like, I've been in the wrestling business for 32 years. I said, How, why am I going to get mad at you? Or, or this situation, you know, because everybody messes with each other. Especially when you're the ring announcer, you get, you know, you get messed with a lot. You're a stooge, blah, blah, blah. And uh, and so other than messing with my livelihood or messing with my family, there's nothing that could happen in my life that would upset me as, uh, as a shoot, as a shoot. You know, I'll I'll rib Spencer and tell him I'm, I was really pissed off that he put me on the spot like that. But as a shoot, uh I like you got to let it, it, you hang around this business long enough. You realize you got to let that roll all roll off your back and just have, have fun with it. You got it. Buddy. Even when Kurt Angle beats the shit out, even when Kurt Angle beats the shit out of you. <laughs> Daniel Spencer's going to beat the shit out of you. It sounds like I might be able to take Spencer even at fifty six. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> now I'm stirring the pot, baby. There you go. There you go. I wouldn't expect anything less, brother. Let's put that thing this on. The, this is the I'll come out of I'll, I'll come out of retirement, goddammit. I'll come referee that shit. Hey, the fans want to see an inside wrestling business. This is inside the wrestling business. Uh <laughs> this is how just how to stir stir the shit and try to get people uh to you know just mess with people. And uh uh so uh that's a that's a little inside uh look, you know. Hell I yeah. remember driving from I remember driving to Charlotte. I, I'm driving to Charlotte. I remember where, I forget where we were driving from. It was me, Pee Wee Anderson, God bless him, referee, Arn Anderson, and then Sting and the Road Warriors. Oh, no, Sting and the Steiner brothers were in another car, and they were messing with us on the highway. So we both pulled off and got eggs. And we, and we ended up for the, next, um, for the next 150 miles to engage in an egg-throwing contest where both cars were with eggs. Now here's six grown men who travel and, and and five of them take bumps for a living. And, um, and, 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 and some of them actually graduated college and we're having an egg throwing contest. You know why? Cause it made the trip go by quicker and there's no harm, no foul. I just, I, I didn't even realize though, when we got back that you can't let the car sit after an egg contest because the eggs will scramble in the heat. So we had, uh, they had one of the uh, ring, the people that set up the ring, go take them through a car wash. And uh, we still laugh about it to this day. So just, uh, you know, just the way things are. 
That's awesome. Awesome, man. It was, a, it, was a, it was at that moment I realized I was in a crazy world and I loved every freaking minute of it. Wrestling's like that sometimes. It can be the weirdest shit that happens where you're just like, damn, I love this stuff. I love it. And I, I, I love talking about it. So thank you for having me and uh, looking forward to seeing you again sometime soon, having a cocktail or two. Absolutely. Well, Penzer, thank you so much, man. I enjoy uh, all, all the all the stories. I enjoyed you having me on the show. Um, I enjoyed Daniel Spencer's questions. And um, I just want to say thank you very, very much, man, from the bottom of my heart. I love you to death. You know that. And so glad that I got love to be a part too. of your life and you were part of mine. And um, Love you, too. To, to best to your dad if you talk to him next time. And uh, and uh, stay in touch. And uh, like I said, looking forward to having a cocktail down the road. You got it, Penzer. Wow. Oh, wow. I, I I don't want to be Daniel Spencer right now, Brian. Oh, I do. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. I mean, I love stirring the shit up. Daniel, thank you, buddy. Great stuff. It's all good, man. Hey, no, you know what? Here's the thing. You know, here's the thing. They're all good pals. And then we were all drinking buddies, like he said. Daniel's just got a drink with him now, not me. He ain't got to buy <laughs> And got to buy him a damn drink. So, you know, really? whatever. Well, all, all winners here. Uh, but no, thank you again to uh, David Penzer for coming on. Uh, but next week, Brian, we're going to have, like we said at the top of the show, we're going to be uh, welcoming Deanna Perrazzo in. We'll be talking about her match against Mickey James Bound for Glory 2022. Um, that you wrapped the de- in Dallas there, the da- the Texas death match. Uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to having her on uh, as well. Uh, but, yeah, just excited for that. And you can follow us across all your social medias, at Reffing It Up. Uh, check out our main man. Can't say good enough stuff about him each and every week, producing some great artwork, J.D. Hoop. Uh, absolutely phenomenal. I, I look forward to opening up my email every time and seeing what, uh, what present he's left for us. Absolutely, man. That not, I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, that guy is just amazing. And when I, and what I love is when you get to open that email and then you send it to me and I get to send it to our guests that we just had on and they give me feedback and they're like, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I've gotten that every single time. And you know, or uh, AJ McKay too. I yep. mean, gosh, yep. um, it's just, it's just, uh, we're just very blessed, man. We're having a great time. I'm putting on a good show, and uh, this week was a little, a little, yeah. a little, um, as my mom would like to say, a little quirky. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, a little, a little quirky, and it's okay. Um, I like quirky. Uh, so yeah, so hopefully everybody else does too. And if you don't like quirky, then all right, fuck it, whatever. It is what it is, man. But it's uh, it was fun. You have to admit it was fun. So oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, make sure you tune in next week. If you're not subscribed, I don't know why you're not. Obviously, you're listening to it, so you got to be subscribed. Tell your friends, tell your family to join us here next week on Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner. Hit him up with all those suggestions that you have for Ref and Review. Like I said, at Baby Habner across all social medias, at Refn It Up across all social medias. We'll give you a shout out. We appreciate all everybody listening this week. We'll see you next week when we have Deanna Perrazzo.
One, two, three.